Welcome back to another episode of Clay, the podcast for Christian men desiring to be the best that they can possibly be for his kingdom's cause. My name is Justin, and my hope is to walk with you in this journey of becoming the courageous leader, always yearning for more Jesus that you were called to be. Again, a courageous leader. I'm going to emphasize that here and again and again and again, episode after episode after episode. You're going to hear me talk about being a courageous leader, being somebody who's going to step up in your life and and, and bridge the, that gap uh, that those in your life are looking for you to bridge, to be somebody who's willing to stand on principle, to stand on faith, to step up to the plate and actually go to work, actually make something happen. This month, we've been talking about some areas to be courageous in, in the pride month, in the uh, area of homosexuality, transgenderism, the sexual immorality, this uh, push, this agenda, this thing that we've come to either get involved in in the wrong ways or perhaps just try and avoid altogether. That's what we've been talking about a lot this month, and every Wednesday episode is an episode specific to that. Granted, today's episode is going to be a bit twofold here. I would love for you to, if you have it, uh, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the chapter on love. I'm actually going to read it. I'm going to talk about a couple of points here, but I I want you to uh, hear a couple of things because this phrase, love is love, has been thrown around so, so much that I don't even know what it's supposed to mean. This idea of love is love, it's marketed as a mass acceptance. It's marketed as, hey, you know what? It's okay if somebody loves somebody because love is love, right? And I think it's interesting that we uh, hear First uh, Corinthians 13 read at many weddings. It's on a lot of signs. It's this chapter on love. It's the way of love. But there's a lot more content here that I find to be rather uh, encouraging, but also very revealing about what it is that love is. And so when we use a phrase like love is love, not only do we water down what love truly is, but we don't really make sense. We don't really define anything now, do we? Because we don't understand what love is. And so, uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the ESV for you. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. But these three, but the greatest of these is love. When you read those words, a couple of things uh, should stick out to you. When you hear those words, a couple of things should stick out. One is the fact that love is an awful lot more complicated than simply stating that love is love, is it not? 
Love is uh, rooted in truth. It is rooted in uh, your values, and it is rooted in action. It is rooted in living it and showing it. That is why it is so important to talk about the things that people don't want to talk about, to shine light where darkness abounds, to point the light on the things that people want to keep in the darkness, to speak to these things, to be a courageous leaders stepping into the fold and speak up, speak to these things, because that's the loving thing to do. It is loving to have uncomfortable conversations. It is loving to speak the truth. It is loving. It is loving to get involved where you just don't really want to get involved. Maybe you don't feel like you know enough. Maybe you don't feel like you are enough. But you have a beating heart. You have a voice. And you have love. Let's put it into action. 1 Corinthians 13 is not just a description of what love is, but it is a guideline. It is a map to how to show love, how to be loving. It emphasizes the fact that you can do all of these great things. You can do all of these nice things for others, and you can serve, and you can passively be involved in life and smile and do whatever it is. But if you don't have love in your heart, then it's worth nothing. It's pointless. It's meaningless. Now, the topic of love abounds all throughout Scripture. It's pretty, pretty easy to draw a conclusion from the way that Jesus lived and died and rose again to know how we should love one another and love his church. But what about us? What about us in the way that we live? Can you take 1 Corinthians 13 and, and look at it verse by verse and say that you are a loving person? that you actually demonstrate love in the way that you live, breathe, talk, and move, the way that you volunteer, the way that you host family gatherings, the way that you go to work, the way that you go grocery shopping. Can you, can you say that you follow these guidelines? Can you say that this would be a good description of how you love others? Or is it a revealing description of how maybe you should love others? Either way, it's worth it to read and to understand it and to take a look at it. However, for the purposes of uh, being the men that God has called us to be, courageously leading, always yearning for more of Him, I actually want to draw your attention to a couple of the verses at the end there. Specifically, 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So a couple of things stick out to me here. I do not think that this is a passage that is encouraging you as a man to stay a child, to be a child, to be childlike in all of your things. I do think that it is a beautiful, beautiful highlight of childlike faith and how clearly the world appears to a child especially in topics and areas that seem so dim and hard to understand for us as adults. We need less childlike men in the world. We need more men to step up. And we need more men to step up and to live out their faith as though it was a childlike faith. We can all relate to that moment when you knew Jesus for the first time, when Jesus made sense to you for the very first time, when you became a Christian, when you repented, when you turned from your 
sinful ways and turn towards him, towards, towards the throne. You remember that moment. You remember that feeling. You remember what that was like. And then life happened and continued to happen. And you continue to push further and further away, not intentionally. Life just happened, or maybe it was intentionally because of the life that was happening to you. Maybe you went through some trauma. Maybe you went through something that, that forced you in your mind to push away. You got angry. You got upset. Or maybe you just got complacent and content with where you're at. And so you quit going to Jesus as much. You quit reading his word. You quit praying. You quit spending time at church. You quit so many things that so many things that you knew were things you should be involved in, drawn to, in fact. What is it for you that has caused that mirror to go dim? What is it in your life that has turned your reflection dim, made it more difficult to see and to believe in who you are, to see the man looking back in the mirror that God created, that God designed to do, to act, to conquer, to explore, to fight, to be the warrior that God has called you to be? What is it that's clouded that reflection? What is it that has made it so that you can't see that man? Let God chisel that away from you. Let God do the work. Be clay in his hands. Be moldable. You can grow. You can change. You can be the man that God has called you to be. There is no need to sit there and stare back at a dim reflection of what you once knew, but rather to live life as though you are a brand new Christian, somebody who just met Jesus for the very first time each and every single day. Imagine what life would look like if you and I got out of bed as though we just met Jesus for the first time, as though there was no staleness to this relationship, but rather we were so excited and so jazzed and amped about the life that we have, the fact that he saw fit to give us another day here on earth to make an impact for his kingdom's cause. What would the world look like? What would your world look like? What would your day look like? Your life, your moments, your relationships. What would that look like if you and I believed that we were clay in his hands, that we weren't so set in our ways that we couldn't change, that we couldn't become the better men that God has called us to be? God didn't call you to be lazy, to be unmotivated, to be a burden on society. He didn't call you to be a burden on your loved ones. He didn't call you to be a burden on your community. He didn't call you to go punch a clock and get a nine-to-five job done just for the sake of getting it done. He created you to be with him. The God of the universe, author of perfection, mastermind behind gravity, behind air, behind photosynthesis, behind all of these things that you and I take for granted the mastermind behind it all. He created you, the same God that put the mountains on the map, covered them in snow, the same God that gave us sand dunes and endless miles of beautiful landscape, the same God that created oceans so deep we still haven't been able to explore them all. Even after all of the advances we made in technology, 
the same God that put a beating heart in your chest and mine, the same God that gave us children to hold and to see and to nurture and to, to grow and to raise, the same God that gave you feeling and emotion, the same God that gave you a conscience, the same God that gave you sight and hearing and taste, the same God that gave you the ability to move, the same God that gave you the ability to think. That is the same God that created you. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you to to live your best life because I, I think that that phrase is butchered and mangled and we've had some rather interesting pastors of churches utilize that for large campaigns and it doesn't make much sense because your best life and my best life exists outside of this life, doesn't it? But perhaps we could do a bit better with the life that we're given and not waste it. You and I have a limited amount of days, minutes here in this life. You and I have a limit. There will be an end. There will be an end to your life and mine. Why would you spend more years, more months than you have to, staring back at a dim mirror, clouded by the world, clouded by doubts, clouded by fear? Why would you spend more time than you had to staring back at that mirror? Let's get that mirror cleaned up. Let's get it cleaned up and let's look let's look at our life, our relationship with Jesus as though we were brand new, excited Christians who just wanted everybody to know the hope and the faith and the peace that we have in him. Maybe maybe our churches would look a bit different. Maybe our Sunday mornings would sound different. Maybe Monday through Saturday wouldn't look so much different than our Sundays. What would the world look like if you and I took some steps towards being clay in his hands, those courageous leaders that he's called us to be, men always yearning for more Jesus in their life, in your life and in mine? What would that look like? There's a conversation starter for you. There's a question for you. There's a discussion question for you, for you and your men's groups, for your life groups, for uh, you and uh, the buddy that you like to get coffee with every week and talk about the weather. That guy. Take that question. Take this conversation. And let's carry it on. Share this episode, please. Share the show. It helps us grow. Every time you press that share button, it's, uh, it, it helps. Every time you leave a review, it helps on whatever platform you're listening to. If you haven't left us a five-star review, please, please do so. It absolutely helps more than you realize. And gentlemen, if you got some value out of this, if you got something out of this episode today, then just share it because somebody else is going to get something out of it too. And that's pretty cool that you can help somebody else just by pressing a button and sending them a link to this podcast. How cool is that? And with that, gentlemen, we'll catch you on Wednesday.